Hello, listener. Welcome to the Switch It podcast. It's time to spin the Baz bottle as England take on India in their backyard with the first of five test matches starting on Thursday. Are they heading for a hiding in Hyderabad or can they turn the tables on a team that are close to unbeatable on home soil? Even before the tweakers are unleashed, there have been curveballs for both sides to deal with. Harry Brook and Virat Kohli pulling out at the last minute for personal reasons, while Shoaib Bashir kicks his heels in the UAE waiting for a resolution to visa issues. After a low-key build-up, it feels like everything has gone into fast-forward, which might well be an omen for the next few weeks. Joining me today to prod the pitch and try to pick what's coming are two of ESPN Crick Info's most sure-footed Dust Bowl levels, UK editor Andrew Miller and on the blower from the bad, associate editor Vitushan Hantaraja. Uh, first up, Vish, how is India? Um, they let you in at least. Yeah, yeah, funny that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no issues with your passport record. No, not at all. All my, you know, Sri Lankan Hindu parents um, probably just leave that there just for, for safety. I've already just got in the country. Um, also, I do appreciate you uh, you saying that I could do a job on these uh, dust bowls, although I don't think I have the requisite height given how England did their selection. But no, it's going well. It's going well. Still yet to have my first biryani, but um, hopefully that's in the offing. Probably not tonight, actually, given the scale of information that's come out today but um yeah hopefully so yeah i mean you've, you've no you've had no chance to play yourself in with a few quiet warm-up games have you it's just straight into to uh baz brawling with your copy from the off <laughs> is that how it's been received is it, is it just a, a mess <laughs> it's not over exuberance <laughs> no no comment no comment no it's perfectly <laughs> executed as always no, it's um. I think you know. I didn't even get to go to Abu Dhabi. I, I, I think the the thing I, I will say though is the team. You know, the first training session was on on Monday as we record this Tuesday, and the team do look do look pretty sharp actually. Everyone looks very trim. Someone um, in the press pack made the point that because they've not been together for a while, they haven't necessarily been um, you know, I suppose boozing or playing golf for the ones that do booze and play golf. So um, that might be part of it, but. No, everyone. Everyone looks in um, in rude health, actually, and um, yeah, everything you know, is quite promising. Given that um, you know, not many people give them give them a chance going into this uh, these eight weeks. Well, we 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 will get into that. The big issue um, that I wanted to ask you about coming out of England's training session is: uh, has James Anderson gone ginger? No, he's um he's. I think there's a little bit of a, a blonde tint in there, which is perhaps done to hide the greys, um, which is a shame because he looked quite distinguished. But I think that is what's making it look like um, that he's gone a bit ginger. Yeah. Sort of a rust-coloured quiff. Um, hopefully no signs of rust when he gets out there. Uh, Miller, we, uh, we said last week that the most important thing for England uh, on this tour was mentality. Um, do you sense that the disruptions of the last few days will have upset the balance at all uh, that, that Ben Stokes and, and Brendan McCullum uh, tried so hard to cultivate? Well, yeah, I mean, you do you do think it, it can't help, can it? I mean, when, when so much of England's preparations have been around just being mentally ready and then you know, obviously there's a, there's, a, there's a disruption with whatever Harry Brooks going through at the moment, which, you know, can't help but impact on his teammates who, who will be concerned for him and obviously 
trying to cover off the details. And then Shoah Bashir's uh, absence. I mean, you know, again, you, you think back to what happened with Rehan Ahmed and the, the extent to which they got round him as the as the teenager in in Pakistan last year. You sense they 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 have enjoyed having young youthful optimism basically as part of the squad and now here he is kicking his heels unable to join the squad so yeah it, it, it kind of it, it, it penetrates the bubble doesn't it whatever whatever way you want to look at it but fundamentally i mean england are, are still going out there with their minds as attuned to the task as you could hope they could be really i mean with with everything they've they've not done as much as have done i mean you know not having warm-up games not being apologetic about playing golf, not not worrying about the conditions, just getting getting their heads in in gear and thinking, you know, let's 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 have a brawl. I mean, frankly, that's 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 how they've gone about their their cricket um, throughout this extraordinary mini era. And um, I see no reason why they won't go into that first day thinking, well, we've got nothing to lose here. Genuinely, we we are going in here aiming to win. I mean, that that's literally what they do every time they get onto the pitch. They don't think about the outcome. And in not thinking about the outcome, the outcome actually becomes easier to achieve because they're not worried about it. I mean, it, it, it's a Jedi mind trick they're trying to pull on, on themselves. But so far, they, they, they've broadly pulled it off. It's uh, cut to the chase stuff uh, and it should be entertaining uh, at the very least. That's always the goal uh, for this team. On um, Vish, on Bashir, what is the latest um, that you're hearing at that end? I mean... He's obviously not been able to join the team in in Hyderabad, and presumably, uh, whether he was in line for selection or not, it, it, it's it's looking unlikely that he's going to be around for for the start of the test now. So, so as it stands, the understanding is that Bashir has returned home from the UAE to the UK because the well, you know, the ECB feel that. Um, by being in the UK, given the best opportunity to, I suppose, iron out whatever kinks there seem to be with his visa application, and there's, there's a, well, there's an optimism that he'll be be able to join um, join England in India by the weekend. Now, obviously, that's an optimism. Now it's Tuesday. Now, you'd think it'd be sorted by then, but really, it should have been sorted. Um, well. Certainly, long before Sunday, when he was originally due to travel out with the squad, um, I think you know what well, the squad was announced in the, in the second week of, of December, which is when that application would have been put through, and you know everyone else got theirs. Rahan Ahmed, who um, is also of um, Pakistani heritage, he um, I think he originally got his visa um, so that he could cover for any. Um, I suppose, you know, any changes to the World Cup squad. So um, that's why he had his uh, ahead of time. But yeah, you know, Ben Stokes spoke um, very well on this uh, today, a captaincy briefing with the written media talking about how, you know, this should be an incredible time for Shoah Bashir. And instead he's in this peculiar limbo, which as Stokes said so himself, it's it's not uncommon for for many cricketers that even he's played with. Um, You think of quite recently, Uzman Khawaja, this time last year was um, delayed getting here um, when Australia played over here. Obviously, there was the Pakistan squad only got their visas two days before they were due to fly out for the World Cup in October and November. And, you know, there were all sorts of issues for Pakistani journalists and fans as well. Um, yeah, it's a to- totally unedifying and, and totally unnecessary, really. I think it's the kind of thing that just happens all the time and it just so happens that this time it's um 
it's affecting the England test team. But yeah, it's all yeah, just pretty yeah, pretty rubbish, pretty unnecessary. And you know, maybe I'm, I'm putting too um, fine a point on this, but it, it did seem to be that the way Stokes was talking that. <clears throat> It brought the certainly brought the team together a little bit. You know, they're, they're together as it is, but I think there's, you know, with the issue around um, Harry Brook having to return home for family reasons and this with Bashir, I think there was a real sense that they they just want to look out for these um, these two young cricketers going through very different things at this moment in time. Um, hopefully, there is a resolution. Hopefully, he'll be able to come out here. But I suppose, yeah, in terms of a cricket context, it does seem to have played a part in. Um, him not being available for this game, not least because he's not here, obviously. But I think um, after the first, after when he, you know, when he wasn't here for Monday, I think that was when, you know, even if he was to get here on Tuesday, they essentially ruled him out of selection for that first test. Um, as as Vish says, it's not that uncommon, and you might have personal experience of this, uh, <laughs> Miller. Uh, Getting getting visas to that part of the world, uh, or getting an Indian visa, particularly when you have a Pakistani link. Um, but I mean, is, should the ECB have been sort of ahead of this? Uh, do you think? I mean, they've clearly they've kind of um, uh, leaned on the BCCI now, but it, it all seems to be happening a little bit late in the in the piece. Yeah, it does. But uh, I mean, how do you lean on the BCCI? How do you <laughs> lean on the Indian government? I mean, it, it, it does seem to be. An issue that, that escalates right to the top at the moment. It's just a, a general national reluctance to to uh, be a, be be secular about that, these things. It's it, it it's um yeah it, it's all a bit as as Vish says unedifying. We we saw an awful lot of this during the World Cup. It was a running theme, frankly. The World Cup was was uh, the the sort of the political machinations with the Narendra Modi Stadium and 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 the chanting going on within it. And as mentioned, the Pakistan. Situation not only for the the, play, the, the, the players who who struggled to get visas, but most of the media, in, including our own Osman Samiudin, mm. he, he struggled to get a get a visa to get in uh, for the sharp end of the tournament. So it's you know it's not a new situation, and the fact that you know the ECB have been caught on the hot by it, I you know it's easy to criticise them for a lot of things, but I think it's hard to pinpoint the ECB for this one. I think, you know, what can they do? They, you know, they will, as, as mentioned, they would have put that visa application in at the earliest opportunity when Shoah Bashir was picked. It's not as if they could have preempted that Shoah Bashir was going to be a name on the, on that team sheet um, back in August, say, to give themselves a lead in. It's uh, it's just not an option. So uh, we are where we are. And um, I just hope it's not a, not a, not a harbinger of, of, of further indignities, indignities to come because um, it, it, as I say, it's been, ongoing issue uh, for more players and more personnel uh, than, than just the odd individual who, who's high profile at the moment. Brendan McCullum seems to know everyone in India. Shame you can't <laughs> just pick up the phone to the right person. Um, to preparations for the first test then, uh, we're two days out in, in Hyderabad. Um, England have, have been training, Vish, you've been watching. Uh, this is the big question. Are we about to see more panicky spin than an episode of The Thick of It? And possibly a similar amount. Of <laughs> I know, but who doesn't love the thick of it? Great show. Um, <laughs> Maybe not the ideal template for winning a test tour in India, but uh, what have you what have you gleaned? Well, I mean, the sense seems to be that they they are seriously considering a one seam three spin approach. Now, a lot of that is governed by what they've already seen of the pitch. I think. 
you know, in my limited understanding of pitch curation, I think one of the things that is clear is that it's harder to unspin a pitch than it is to spin a pitch, as it were. So when Brendan McCullum saw the pitch on Monday, he told us that it looks like it would spin. I think that's generally the take from Raul Driver as well. And I think it's worth pointing out that both teams have gone out of their way to announce that they will be um, playing specialist wicketkeepers in this. Now, Stokes confirmed that Ben Fogues will be taking the gloves, which is, uh, you know, how it looked during training over the last couple of days. But mm-hmm. Raul Driver in his press conference on Tuesday also said that um, K.L. Rahul won't be keeping um, because he's not a full-time wicketkeeper. It seems like K.S. Barat will take the gloves. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that shows the nature of the service. And it seems England are going to respond to that by... Um, picking three spinners. Now, you know, we've talked about the fact that Bashir is not available, so that kind of selects itself, really, in Jack Leach, Rehan Ahmed, and, uh, and Tom Hartley. I suppose the, the question then becomes that seamer, and I thought it was particularly noteworthy that Mark Wood was asked about that possibility today, so that he'd, he'd be up for it. And, and Ben Stokes, um, at the same time, pointed out that when you do have, you know, if England are to go down the um, one seamer route, that seamer needs to have a point of difference. It's not necessarily the case that you need them to be a holder. You do want something a bit more from them. And he said, actually, with the selection of the four quicks that they have, uh, Gus Atkinson and Mark Wood provide the pace. Ollie Robinson and James Anderson provide the, you know, the the magic, I suppose, the, you know, the bit of... Um, uh, craft with the ball, if that's not to do down Atkinson and Wood, um, and each of them do it in their own way. And I think Wood, uh, you know, he gave particular backing to Wood in terms of how um, you can take the pitch out of the equation, not least with reverse swing as well. And yeah, I mean, maybe it's me being out here, but I'm quite excited by that. I appreciate if you're waking up at 4 a.m., you're going to be thinking, what are England doing here? This is crazy. But, I mean, it does make sense. And, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm too far gone. I'm certainly not as far gone as, as Miller, generally, with how Stones of McCullough are doing things. But I don't know. Does it not make sense? I'm quietly, um, you know, even also throwing in Joe Root as the, um, as the fourth spin option. But, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't half mind it. Well, uh, well, yes, yeah. Miller, does it not make sense? This would be, of course, a test debut for Tom Hartley, who's mm-hmm. played, uh, I think, 20 first-class games, uh, and a second test for Ray and Ahmed, who, you know, we all know all about. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense. I, I, I'm, I'm, when I heard, when I heard that, my, my initial reaction was, was sweary on WhatsApp, and then I thought, we need, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's have some of that. I mean, you know, it sounds radical, but I think um, we were looking, we were looking through the annals. When was the last time a team went into uh, a, a, a test match in India with only one seamer? It was the last time Australia played there, I believe, when, mm-hmm. when Matthew Kinnaman, um, Todd Murphy, <clears throat> and Nathan Lyon led the line, and um, Pat Cummins, obviously, as captain, was the sole seamer. And again, as, as mentioned, a point of difference in, in the you know ninety mile hour gun quick who will attack the stumps at every opportunity. I mean, it's it is it's a method that. Gave them, I think they lost that match by six wickets, but it, it, they they did win a win a test during that series, and they are a team that um, you know England have tussled with as well. So it feels like you know if they if they want to go down this route, it doesn't seem completely mad. And to go further into that with Mark Wood is the point of difference. I mean, I'm all for that, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to go extreme spin with a point of difference, 
you might as well have a guy who you're going to throw the ball for four overs every session, maybe, and just say bowl like the wind and blow blow a hole in this attack. You know, especially if you've been holding up holding up uh, holding the line with your left arm spinner, your wrist spinner, and right arm spinner. I mean, in theory, there's a uh, you know the the roots as well. There's a bit of everything, yeah. Bit of everything. There's, there's, there's different angles of attack and then extreme pace to throw in the mix as well. Um, I'm comfortable with that. It, it, it makes a lot more sense than the sort of route that England would have gone traditionally, where they just think, well, we'll pick our best bowlers who happen to be seamers because they're what we are used to bowling with. And you end up with a, well, the, the most famous example was Calcutta 93, when, when they played uh, four uh, four seamers. And India Kick played, was the spinner, right? Kick was the spinner. And, and uh, yeah, and India played three spinners. And lo and behold, it was a rout, uh, you know. It's not. It's not going to be like that uh, this time around. England clearly, if this is the way they want to go, they 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 they're preparing to get into the into the dust up uh, nice and early. Um, uh, Vish, you've written about Root, the all rounder, what what his bowling is going to uh, offer. Um, but my first question is, who's going to take the new ball then? <laughs> if if uh, uh, they are picking one seamer and it's Mark Wood, and we're under, uh, we understand that Ben Stokes is not going to be chipping in with the ball. Yeah, yeah, Stokes is not bowling, which I suppose is something that Australia used with Cameron Green last time around, um, although they did still play a test where I think Green was injured, where um, Cummins was the the sole quick. Um, who takes a new ball? Well, weirdly, England have options, don't they? Because Jack Leach <laughs> has done it before. Joe Root has done it before. Indeed, yeah. Tom Hartley, um, Tom Hartley, who we spoke to um, before a Lions tour um, in November, said that he'd be up for doing it as well. Um, I, I, I think... Has Mark Wood opened the bowling? I'm not sure that he has, you know. Because no. he generally <laughs> not often. Cause, cause he's, yeah, because um because the way he bowls and you know, wanting to keep the the ball as uh, well, wanting to manage the ball as much as possible, you don't tend to give it to your chair away quick. Um, which is why he doesn't open the bowling in white ball cricket either. So you know what, England have options of weirdly it's not the seamer, but Mark Wood has taken the new ball twice. In well, the... <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, in, um, in the 2015 Ashes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it. I don't think it matters all that much, particularly if you're not playing Anderson. Got if, five. If Anderson we don't need a plan. <laughs> where we're where, where we're going, we don't need new ball seamers. Um, but I suppose that that is the point of difference we're talking about here, because if James Anderson or Ollie Robinson were the sole quick, then you would think that they would bowl with the new ball, wouldn't you? Um or that you know it'd be it would be point you know it would be important for them to do so to see what kind of early movement there is and particularly what that seems doing early on. Um but yeah I, I think I'm trying to find I was trying to think of you know the other bits that what bits that seamers do that, that spinners don't. And I suppose that, well the one thing you would you would see as an issue perhaps is that you know, the seamers that, um, you know, with, with the English seamers that we've had, um, it's that control. Um, it's that, you know, that spell where it's not doing much and they're just basically keeping the runway down. And then even then, that basically flies in the face of what England have done with the ball. We spoke on the last um, switch here, I think, about England's ability to take, well, England's knack of taking 20 wickets under, you know, Stokes' <clears throat> captaincy. And, and, and I suppose the point is that they're going to be, you know, trying to... You know, even if, if the pitch isn't 
playing ball, or rather, if the spinners aren't quite doing it, it's not necessarily going to going to change the way um, that Stokes has his field or his tactics generally. I thought it was quite interesting actually. I asked Stokes um, about Hartley specifically um, if he sat down and talked to him because obviously how he captains spinners is very different to how spinners are usually captained. And he said actually that one of the good things about having Jack Leach around, not least because Jack Leach is now the leader of the attack, as it were, by proxy, is that Leach will be able to tell them what he's like as a captain and basically, you know, almost give them a crash course in life under Ben Stokes. And similarly, Stokes wouldn't want to get them to do anything differently, but also is going to push them in a way that he has pushed Leach. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's going to be fun. Are you not more excited now that, now that this is a potential? potential oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I'm sensing some. I'm sensing some. I think Alan's a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm, just, I'm I'm playing the you know the orthodox straight man here, but <laughs> I, I'm all for it. I mean, let, literally, let's cut to the chase. Let's just start with the fourth innings on on the first morning and on a on an absolute raging. Bunch careful, careful what you wish for. We might get the fourth <laughs> innings by the first afternoon. That's for sure. <laughs> no, quick games a good game in my book. Um, where to next on this? Uh, team selection, Miller. I think we should talk about Harry Brooks' um, absence, uh, obviously withdrawing over a personal issue. Uh, sounds like he could still return at some point um, later in the tour. That's a big loss. Guy averaging 60 in the middle order. They've called up Dan Lawrence, who uh, on our WhatsApp group you described as the uh, 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 <laughs> John the Baptist of Basball, which uh, for the apostates among us, I will let you explain. But there's an, the, I mean, there is another spin option for England there as well. Well, there is. I mean, it could be five five spinners if they if they unleash um, uh, the, the, the Chingford blender. Um, yeah. So so to, the Ching, Chingford Murley or the squirrel in a blender, I think. The blender, too official. Uh, yeah. So to drill down into my 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 accolade for Dan Lawrence. So. If you recall, way back in the midst of time, in the aftermath of... Uh, I thought you were going to say in the First Testament. For a well, the First <laughs> Testament, yes, First Testament. It was, it was in the aftermath of the, of the ashes in 2021-22, when England went out to the Caribbean. And everything was doom and gloom. Obviously, you know, Joe Root was hanging by a thread as captain. Uh, England got beaten in that final test. Um, Craig Brathwaite bored the hell out of everyone. Um, it, was, it was a pretty, pretty dull period. But just occasionally... There was Dan Lawrence just coming in and throwing the bat in a really what seemed like a really weird way. He was, he, he, I think, one of his first innings must, must be in the not Barbados just talking test. about his technique either. Well, his technique <laughs> is pretty homespun. He's a, he, you know to, to drill down into the, into the origin of, of, of him. Here's a guy who whose dad was the Chingford groundsman's. He was the son of the Chingford grounds, groundsman. Therefore, he basically grew up with with the nets backing onto his garden. So he's the most homespun cricketer England have produced in an awful long time. And here he was, given a chance to bat in a test match, and he was playing wild inside-out cover drives, lofted cover drives um, in the third innings, I think. Um, it looked like, you know, mate, you've got a chance to play in a test match and you're just throwing the bat weirdly here. But it just, show it just showed England were willing, even then, before the so-called basketball revolution, they were just thinking about trying to do things differently. Basically, twice in that series, they tried to set the match up. They tried to take on dead pitches and accelerate to give themselves a chance in the fourth innings. And twice they were thwarted by the fact the pitches are too moribund. But there was one innings in particular. I think he got 91 uh, batting with Joe Root, got a big century. Uh, he got out late in the day 
he could have been blocking to get to his century the following Court day. Cover was he? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> he, basically, he, he was. He thought, well, I'm going to go down blazing. What the hell? I've got this far by taking a chance. I'm going to keep taking a chance. So here's a guy who has actually talked the talk of Basmol, so to speak, before Basmol was even a thing. And I remember writing about it at the time, sort of in saying that here is evidence that there is a different way that England can play cricket here. And obviously it was riffing off the, the white ball success and the fact that this new generation of players coming through are probably more likely to have success playing expansively because that's what they've seen, you know, the likes of Joss Butler and co have success doing. And so he'd done this before. So to get to the point, if he is coming in as the like-for-like replacement, because bear in mind, he wasn't in the Lions squad. He was in MLT20, I think. So they decided, you know what? We're just going to have someone who is going to bat as close to Harry Brooks' carefree style as we possibly can. Dan Lawrence is the obvious pick to come in. I think he batted at three as well, uh, a couple of tests in the in the, in the the 21 series in India. So he's got experience of the conditions, albeit didn't have a huge amount of success at three, but I think he he finished with a, with a, with a decent 50 in the series. Um I like the idea of just giving him giving him a bit of rope, um, have a swing. He's been around the squad for a long time. He was basically in the squad throughout throughout the COVID bubble as well. So he's he's been waiting for an opportunity and hasn't had a huge amount of them. And this might be his moment. So, um, you know, controversial though it may be, given that the obvious replacement, so to speak, given that he wasn't in the in the squad through injury, in uh, towards the end of the Ashes through injury is Ollie Pope, who's the vice captain or nominal vice captain. I probably wouldn't pick him yet. I'm not sure I I trust Pope for the conditions in the same way that I trust Lawrence and the rest of the England's middle order just to just to have a go. He 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 had a torrid time against um, Ashwin in particular uh, previously, and um, you know I I I for all that England like to play carefree cricket. Um, I don't know. I feel like Pope. Maybe, maybe is um, a little bit more hung up in in his mindset than than perhaps uh, some of the some of the players in that in that in that eleven potentially. Get get the Baptist in. Reminds Indeed. me of Barry the Baptist, <laughs> lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. But we won't go there. Vish, what's uh, what's your sense of the, the 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 route England will take? Because Pope is. Uh, fit again. He's a designated vice captain. There had been some talk about whether if if Stokes wasn't fit, then Pope is, is going to be the is going to lead the side. Um, Folks is going to keep wicket as you've mentioned. No Brook means a, a spot at number five. Uh, Johnny Bairstow did a pretty good job at, at number five before England turned him back into a wicketkeeper um, during the Ashes. Um, how, how do you see them uh, lining up on on Thursday morning? Aside from the three spinners and one seamer. <laughs> so Stokes confirmed that Besto will be batting a five, um, more or less as a direct Brook replacement and kind of, you know, alluded to sitting him down, telling him he wasn't, wasn't going to have the gloves and that he needs to focus and give all his energy towards batting a number five. Um, in terms of Pope, it is an interesting one. I wonder if... Um, had Lawrence got here earlier or was original part of the squad, um, or indeed if, if Brooke was still here, if, um, if that was a particular um, area that England would have put a bit more on. Um, but it does seem like he's keeping his place. Dan Lawrence only arrived um, at 4am on, on Tuesday, a local time here in uh, India, and he didn't train um, today either, which suggests that he's, He's not going to be picked. Um, and also, the Stokes, 
we when asked about Pope, said that you know coming back from that shoulder injury, there's always going to be a bit of trepidation. But it looked like you know, but Pope was throwing himself into all the fielding and stuff like that. Um, he said it, you know, there's a chance it has affected his for um, Pope's throwing, but it wouldn't matter because Pope would be a short leg, which I suppose would be confirmation confirmation enough that that Pope is playing. But it is an interesting thing there, and it might be something that emerges. Um, perhaps after this test, um, given that, you know, England would, would love to pack their batting as much as possible. Um, and with Bairstow in at five and, you know, folks keeping, if folks perhaps doesn't impress, if maybe the the keeping is not a point of difference, then they've shown in the past that they're not afraid to um, veer away from that. Um, it was only in Pakistan when... I was going to say, Ollie, Ollie Boat year, kept, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, well, well, so importantly, Pope kept in the first test because Folks was ill. Yep. And then when Folks was passed it for the second test, they continued on with Pope because of what he did to the batting lineup, because um, it enhanced the batting lineup. Now, you know, we know that England aren't going to, um, you know, just play it safe in, in how they approach their batting this series. And with that in mind, the onus is on, I suppose, you know, filling the filling the team with as many play- players who can play that same way. And what we do know with folks in this particular setup is that he is not as um, expansive as the rest, which is no slight on him. But if England are looking for someone a bit more expansive after this first test, then there is a chance they would well, they certainly have the option to bring in someone like Lawrence who, as Millie articulated, just is really what they're all about and plays the game in that entertaining and also exciting, slightly untraditional way that can really, um, you know, uh, put bowlers against the wall. I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough on Pope, isn't it? Because, you know, on the one hand, as mentioned, he's the vice captain. On the other hand, this is twice now, um, albeit his shoulder is a, is clearly a permanent problem because he, he is, he's suffered it more than, more than once now, but, um, he's twice, twice his his absence, twice, twice, twice. The balance has, has basically pivoted around Pope. You, you only get him into the side as a keeper to get the balance right. And actually, arguably, England's balance was better in the Ashes when Pope was injured. Because suddenly you got Moeen Ali back in the frame as well, batting at number three by the end and batting very well, uh, from uh, as, as we all recall. So, you know, it, it, he, he just. At the moment, he hasn't quite found his his niche within within the Baz bubble to a to a degree to the same degree that perhaps the the rest of that order. I mean, you know, you look at the top where Zach Crawley has had his struggles, but there's never been any doubt about his role. I mean, he's always been there to go go hell for leather. The ben king Duckett of Baswell, is, Ben so. Duckett is you know, king of Baswell indeed. I mean, <laughs> there's so many of them around. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, ben Duckett obviously is slotted in brilliantly, and you know he's, he's talking about all his sweep shots, which may be hubris, but it may also be. You know, getting getting ahead of the the likely methods that he'll be using. I mean, there's no doubt he's very effective with the sweep shot. Joe Root and Ben Stokes, as as described, have, are outstanding in their own field, regardless of newfangled techniques or whatever. And then Johnny Bairstow, the 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 original king of basketball, who who really set things alight in 2022. So, you know, you you look at each of those players in situation in this in this in the situation of the top six seven, and then you look at well, folks is a bit of a sore thumb because he's never quite found. He's not quite basketball as he as he himself admitted. And Pope, uh, another anomaly. So those two have haven't quite gelled in 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 the in the setup in the same way that the, I, th- I think the rest of that um, that that batting lineup have. 
well, we'll, we'll throw it all together uh, on Thursday and, and see what comes up. Um, Vish Stokes uh, fitness is a, is another big um, question mark, I suppose, given you know, England have been on a on a training camp, but we haven't really seen uh, what they've been up to. We haven't there haven't been any warm up matches. Um, Stokes has been rehabbing, and and I mean, I think. Brendan McCullum yesterday, uh, Monday, described him as looking like a greyhound, which is presumably a good thing, um, and uh, not just chasing rabbits around. But uh, and and I mean, you've spoken to him, spoken to him today about how um, you know how re- his recovery from that operation is likely to affect him um, batting, not bowling, but you know fielding and so on, and, and I suppose as a captain as well in, in some sense. Yeah, yeah, he, um, you know, McCollum said he looks like a greyhound. Um, he looks even more like Vincent Van Gogh. I'll definitely say that, <laughs> you know, with both ears, thankfully. Yeah. Um, yeah, he looks, he looks in pretty, you know what? He looks in 2018, 2019, Nick, um, which I think was the, was the mm. peak of his fitness before the knee started to become an issue. That was bowling overs in Colombo fits. Yes, exactly. And, you know, chasing, bowling the last ball of the day and then chasing it to the boundary and holding it back in like a lunatic. And then going to the gym later that night, by the way. I'm sorry. Um, those days are, are probably beyond him. And I thought, it was, you know, he was really he was really interesting today when talking about it. He was actually honest as well. Um, he said it was a bit more of a clear out. There were, you know, some stitches to his MCL as well. Um, and... Yeah, you know, you can understand why he's kept it so close to his chest um, for so long. But I think what was particularly instructive was he talked about basically having to remember what it was like to play and to net and to field before he had to manage his knee, as it were. Um, and, you know, in his words, he he's done that. He said there was a lot of moments in the nets where he found that he was, the things he would do to ensure his knee wasn't on the strain, he now didn't have to do, but he did have to groove himself out of that. Um, and he feels he's in a place now where he's he's done that. Fielding, he says, will be something that you only really he's only really going to find out in a match. I think we saw a few times actually that he talk about managing his knee and then end up you know sprawling all over the place because that's his instinct. And I think more and more he's you know he's going to be working at that. He won't be bowling as we said earlier on, um, and that that plays into the fact that. You know, he's. I suppose he's got to, you know, he's he's got to retrust his body, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, I, I think the example he set generally as someone who is has always, you know, when he could, you know, um, held himself in incredible shape. It seems to have spread to the rest of the group, actually. You know, Oli Robinson. So you know, we did an uh, interview um, with him a couple of weeks ago where he talked about that. But other players as well look. As, as fit as it has been. And I think you could go as far as to say this is probably the fittest basketball squad we've had. Um, and a lot of that is down to the the lack of playing time. I know, you know, these players have been playing elsewhere, um, whether whether uh, for the England white ball teams or in franchise competitions. But generally, I think there's been a sense that when they left for the, you know, left off the Ashes, as individuals, they wanted to, you know, they they knew they had to come to India correct, um, both on skills and in terms of, of fitness, because the, there are going to be long days in the dirt. I don't think they 
you know, they haven't hid, hidden away from that. Um, it's going to be very challenging and they, you know, they, they need to be their best selves and this is their way of doing it. Um, but the other thing to, the other thing on Stokes is, which is, which is interesting is, I suppose, Stokes the batter. I think you, you can tell that he's clearly relishing the idea of captaining in these circumstances. Um, he's captained exceptionally well throughout this, um, throughout his tenure and surprised a lot of people. But this, I think, is just by the way he was talking about it, it felt like something that really intrigued him. I think, you know, when, when you talk of play, players of, of Stokes' stature, and, and I suppose, you know, players with, with incredible career numbers, which I appreciate Stokes, Stokes doesn't have, we don't really have the time to go into why that may or may not be. Um, but he definitely see you, you can tell he sees this as you know, I don't know, something to excite him, something to get the grey matter going. There's only so much in the world of cricket to do. And there's certainly things that he's already done in terms of, you know, that he'd set out for an English cricketer, win a World Cup, win two World Cups, win an Ashes. Um, but this is something that I think he, he clearly, clearly vibes with. He clearly sees as a very unique challenge and, and, and bestowed upon very few. So... Yeah, I think it's um, it could get a whole lot funkier. But it's not already gone funky. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even started yet. I mean, uh, India was the, the you know the final frontier for Steve War and so on. I mean, from an England perspective, winning in Australia is always going to be up there. But but no one uh, has captained a team uh, to victory in India um, other than Indian captains <laughs> since since twenty twelve. Indeed. So, I mean, it's uh, in terms of legacy and all that, Stokes doesn't really need to tick many boxes, but this would be quite a sizable one. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, you think back, Alistair Cook was never really renowned as a great England captain, I don't think, but there's no question that his achievements in winning in India, the <clears> last <throat> team to do so, and I think uh, India had won, I think it's the only series in 31, I think, that India had lost, and they've won 16 since. Um, so, you know, it felt like a massive achievement at the time. And since then, with every year that's gone by, I think only three defeats in 46 tests since, uh, it's cemented the fact that that was really quite special. And I was out there, in fact, when when um, Adam Gilchrist, in fact, he was he was captain for that 2004 series when uh, um, when India were beaten by Australia. And again, I remember the euphoria around the around the Australia camp, the, the sense that, as, as mentioned, this was the final frontier. It's a huge challenge. It's absolutely vast. But therefore, all the more reason to to really get out of bed for it. I mean, this this is, this is again, coming down to the whole point and the ethos of baseball and the, the fact that England have, have just switched off from sweating the practice. I mean, it's clear that you could overthink the challenge. You can overthink the pitches. You can overthink the, the fact that Axel Patel and Ashwin and Jadeja are going to be a formidable trio. If the pitches are going to rag as much as England think they are, um, those three are going to be an incredible challenge um, without a shadow of a doubt. But it's probably all the more reason not to actually practice and get embarrassed in a warm-up game and think, oh God, we're, we're going down here again. Let's just get our minds in the right place, have a good hit on the golf course, have a laugh about it. Go out there and think. You know what? We've we've played cricket before. We can do it again. I mean, we mentioned in the last pod as well about why I was concerned when England got so roundly spanked in in the World Cup that it would burst the Baz bubble and they would they would have had this this 
glimpse of reality in India and what it could be. But the way that uh, the, the Vish is talking about the, the, the team at the moment and the way they've they've had their camp in Abu Dhabi and the, the fact they're, you know, they're, they're quite happily touting the notion that Mark Wood could be the only only, only seamer and we're just going to go gung-ho. It's like, well, what the hell? I mean, brilliant. I mean, they, they, it, it does feel as though they have they've closed ranks around themselves. They, they're, they're busy just blowing smoke up each other's behinds and saying you're the best things ever. I mean, it, we, Australia in particular, got nauseated by, by, by the sanctimony of, of England's buzz bollocks throughout the, throughout the ashes. But I mean, it's, uh, it, it, if it is a self-fulfilling prophecy that, uh, you know, the more we talk ourselves up, the more we're likely to have success, then um, it could get even more nauseating in the coming weeks. And it could be, a lot of fun to witness from an England perspective. <laughs> Never mind the Baz bollocks. It's the Anthony DeMello trophy. Um, yeah. Time in the gym, time on the golf course. That's apparently all they need. Um, Vish, uh, quick word on, on India and, and their um, preparation. Obviously, a, an even bigger bombshell than Harry Brooke pulling out on, on Sunday morning um, came yesterday with, with the news that Virat Kohli would miss the first two tests for personal reasons. Um, India haven't re- named a replacement yet. Um, as uh, our colleague Al Muthu wrote, he averages 60 uh, in games at home in, in in which other batters have averaged 29. India haven't lost an edge, they've lost a battalion. This is, I mean, a significant uh, absentee. Do you sense that, you know, that's, disturbed India's build-up at all? And, and does it give England an, an, an extra something as well to uh, to rally round? I mean, without question, it gives England something extra because you know, of, the, of the numbers you've just relayed there. I mean, this is one of the best batters of all time that we're talking about here. So, like, how could it not? <laughs> I think the... I, I think one of the things it might help, though, is... I think sometimes you can get a bit too distracted by Kohli. I don't think this England team were going to do that, but there was a, there's always a sense with with England and Kohli that they just can't help themselves. Um, and, and and like more for it, that, I mean that that's part of the reason um, Kohli is so. I, I, I don't know. He's just so like, so attractive as a as a cricketer. It's because. He does all the good things really well, and he does all the bad things really well. You know, he, he really gets you in. All the things that you you would, you know, if, if you're going to clutch at your pearls, you feel a needless. He just does them, and he's just good at them. And he's good at them while being good at the stuff that actually matters. Um, obviously, it's, like, it's, it's a loss for the series, really, isn't it? Um, as much as it does seem to bring England into it, this is... You know, you kind of think to a time when, when Coley's no longer around, and you know the game will be poorer for it, and... You know, it's especially sad that um, it is for you know personal reasons as well. And I, I think what has been interesting is you know just the, the number of well wishes. You know, Mark Wood wished him well. I think generally there's a sense around the England camp anyway that um, you know that's just just stuff more important than cricket, isn't it? So especially with this team and, and the way they they've really tried to you know they've tried to play on that. They talk about you know enjoying life and this that, and the other, but and you know the other side of the coin is that. This is just the game, um, uh, yeah. And I, and I do wonder, you know, we, we don't, we're not sure when he's gonna come back, are we? And yeah, you kind of wish him well, and at the same time, just know that probably, this, yeah, certainly this first test will be um, be poorer for his absence. Yeah, I think I think they've only named a squad for the first two 
tests at the moment. So that's that's um, where we are. I mean, there's no shortage of, of stardust in the the rest of the lineup. Miller's Rohit Sharma, uh, Shubman Gill, K. Uh, L. Raul, who um, is going to play as a batter, uh, having kept uh, in South Africa recently. Uh, you mentioned Jadeja Ashwin. Axel Patel, Jasper Bumra is quite handy. There is no Mohamed Shami, he's, he's not fit. Um, Jasper Bumra, of course, uh, interviewed uh, this week in The Guardian, I think, referred to um, the term basball as something he doesn't really relate to. He soon will, will he? <laughs> <laughs> is he about to find out? He said it actually, he might just give him a chance to take lots more wickets. Well, so I mean... <laughs> In, in, you didn't in, take in, it as a personal insult, anyway. I, 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 I mean, it's quite it's quite clear that none of the players actually endorsed the term. That's absolutely fine. But I mean, in terms of not relating to it, you know, there he was in that ridiculous test last summer when you know, he was smacking thirty five runs off Stuart Broad in a match that England then won by chasing down three hundred seventy eight. I mean, you know, he may not relate to it, but he certainly witnessed baseball in action. The, the absolute chaos of of a team that just doesn't care about runs conceded and is basically building towards that fourth innings, whatever that looks like. Um, so, no, I mean, just to go back to Coley, though, I mean, in terms of in terms of the loss, the, the loss is, is actually quite acute for for what it means for this contest because, you know, again, to go back to the, the, the origins of baseball and, and everything in England have proselytised about, about the importance of Test cricket and saving Test cricket, etc. You do sense that a lot of where... Stokes in particular has come from has been from a, a position that I love test cricket. I love the challenge of test cricket. I want to play the best in the best format of the game. And he's one of a declining generation, frankly, who genuinely believe that. And, you know, you get a load of people paying lip service to test cricket and the values that, that they talk about. But you look at Virat Kohli's record and everything he's said consistently throughout his career that's that spanned more than a decade now, and you know full well that he means what he says when he says that Test cricket is his favourite form of the game. And so for him not to be there is a real shame on, on firstly, on the level of it's the best to be the best in the best. I would much rather see England playing Kohli than not playing Kohli if, you know, the, if saving Test cricket is, is the end game of all this, which frankly it has to be ultimately. Um, you know, you, you look at the alternative, as we mentioned previously, the, 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 the Neil Brand-led South Africa team or the seven debutants who admittedly put up a bit of a fight in Australia uh, for, for West Indies. But ultimately, you know, you lose the big personalities from the game. The game is the poorer. Uh, but also you you worry what it'll do for the crowds. I mean, I would love to see packed crowds for an England-India series. And generally speaking, when Kohli turns up to a test match, particularly on a batting day, the crowds follow him. I hope the crowds will follow him. We saw what happened, you know, again in the World Cup uh, when India weren't playing. The crowds were pretty sparse. And so, you know, we haven't quite seen, and, and Kohli, bear in mind, averaged 90 or something, didn't he, in the World Cup. So, you know, he was a pretty constant presence in, in, in ensuring the crowds had something to come and turn up and watch. So without him, will the series lose a lot of, a lot of its edge? I worry that certainly in the stands it might. Um, but I mean, again, England can only beat what's in front of them. And I think um, Vish was talking to Stephen Finn the other day, and uh, he was making the point that when England were successful in 2012, one of the things they achieved was turning the crowd in favour of England. You know, their, their spinners bowled magnificently. You had uh, KP being being nonsensical in Mumbai. You had all these these things that just got got the crowd saying, "Yeah, this team's putting on a show." Alistair Cook grinding it out. Alistair Cook grinding it out. Well, yeah, yeah. 
gloss over that. But you know, in ter- in terms of England putting on a show and 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 wowing the crowds, I I would be sure that they will certainly try to do that. Whether wowing the crowds means crashing and burning and being bowled out for forty six is is remains to be seen, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, as as we keep saying, it will should be watchable. Um, I don't know what we're expecting from Hyderabad in uh, in terms of um, ticket sales and so on. Um, Vish, uh, the, the the ground um, hasn't hosted a test since twenty eighteen. I think um, you wrote about um, how Brendan McCullum has got the highest individual score there, a, a double century back in twenty ten. If if the pitches as advertised that we, we might not be seeing anything to challenge that. Um, Raul Dravid speaking in his, his press today said it might spin a little. So, uh, so we'll, we'll look out for that. Um, but yeah, is there a sense that this tour isn't going to all the big centers like Chennai and Mumbai and so on, but does that actually potentially bring more people in, you know, cause it's a rarer event to, to see, um, no Kohli, but Rohit Sharma, Jasprit Bumrah, and so on in in Vizag and and Ranchi and and Hyderabad. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose that is the logic ultimately, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm really not because I, I think the is the what, town what, what a does, buzz does... with the talk of baseball or they is is it, big IT town <laughs> isn't it? Um, uh, city Hyderabad maybe they're. They're more interested in in technology. <laughs> yeah, they'd be buzzing if Elon Musk was in town, but they yeah, not really good for them. Um, no, I was going to say there obviously seems a, a drive to you know make what is already a huge part of Indian culture that little bit bigger by kind of feeding into the to the smaller cities and towns. But I think generally the sense here is that. You know, we're not going to get a sold-out crowd um, in Hyderabad. And and that might be how it plays out going forward. And, and naturally, it's been sold as a potential advantage for England. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can't really... You know, there's some signs about there are... You don't really... You know, every now and again, you get to the ground and, and people are queuing up to, you know, see... Just peek in, really. Um Maybe not as many as you'd usually expect in India, but I mean, it doesn't help that, you know, the three entrances are next to a main road, so it's quite treacherous as well. But it, it does, overall, though, it does feel like England have quietly come into India. I don't know that, hap- that that happens all that often, really. I know they got, you know, a bit of a greeting at the airport, but by and large, it's been it's been pretty chill. You know, to the extent that Johnny Besto today... Um, as someone who's played his cricket here in the IPL, was um, talking about, um, you know, he, he was recommending a couple of places to go for, you know, lunch and walking around for coffee. It does seem a pretty different vibe to most Indian cities. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe that work in England, so maybe it won't. But, yeah, I suppose we're about to find out. We are. We are almost uh, there. I mean, not that the build-up has been especially drawn out, uh, <laughs> crammed it all into in, into about three days. Um, Milo, England have drawn first blood, sort of, in that the Lions uh, had a had a, um, a good crack at winning the, the first unofficial test in Ahmedabad. Um, there was some there was some bazballing going on there. I think they they scored five hundred odd at, at four point 
seven and over or something. And um, they didn't manage to win the game in the end. A, a, a couple of the, the contenders for this, uh, for the India 11, um, helped bat it out on the, on the fourth day. Interesting, you've sort of touched on this with Lawrence being ported in as a, as a like-for-like replacement, but there are other players in India uh, at the moment who could... Uh, replenish the ranks if needed. Uh, Keaton Jennings, the Asia specialist as ever, uh, scored 100. Um, and I think 60, 60 or 60 balls or something in the second innings as well. Josh Bahannon got a, a, a ton. He's a, a captain. So they're kind of, you know, the English are coming. Well, indeed. I mean, this is the whole <laughs> logic of the Lions way back. I mean, it's always been the case that they, they, the, the idea was the Lions would would shadow the major team and then then just, you know, the, the candidates would walk in as if they'd done it before. And, and again, go back to Dan Lawrence. I mean, probably one of the more famous Lions tours was the Ashes um, the Ashes B tour um, before COVID when, when Lawrence had a, had a stellar time. He, mm. he played... Uh, got a match-winning century in, in Melbourne, didn't he? So you know they 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 have, obviously that didn't count for anything. Come the come the main event, but it just goes to show that England England do have a a wealth of talent bubbling through the pipeline. And you know I think I think that pipeline got a bit turned off during the Ashes during the during COVID. I think it's uh, you know the, the the hot housing of of massive squads and and you know just sitting twiddling your thumbs waiting for an opportunity in in bioscure bubbles wasn't quite as fun as actually going out and doing it or doing it your own way so um slightly different uh, but england you know england it's a massive massive task but england at least have been out to india in recent memory on that last last <laughs> test tour in 2021 and Drew first first blood there as well with that with that famous win in Chennai where where Joe Root uh, got his double hundred and, um, and you know they 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 bowled with with verve I mean the absent Joffre Archer uh, he had a spell Newball spell of five overs that was basically grafted straight from the IPL he just he just he he, he took on Rohit Sharma got him out early early doors got Shubman Gill as well um, there was you know if that is a example of how England are going to go about their bowling in these conditions uh, with their fast bowling that is I mean that again reinforces the idea that Mark Wood the guy who is just going to come and charge in and, and give it a burst for four over four or five overs and see what damage he can create is the way to go um, it's still obviously a huge task and England probably won't win uh, I think that's, that's a given given that hardly any team wins out there but the very fact they're going out there with a sense that they're going to do things differently is a huge first start in this, and and I'm 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 all for it. I think uh, you know the, the the days of just grinding out to India and hoping against hope you can put up a fight and then getting squashed, I think gone. England could get squashed, but they might not get squashed, and that is the that's the fascinating aspect of this trip. The predictions quickly. Then you, you you're saying probably won't win. You're going for her- heroic uh, failure. And... Mm, no, I'll go five nil England. <laughs> 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 just because, just because. If it's going to be, if it, if they're going to go out there thinking they can win, um, they might as well go in there thinking they're going to win. I mean, you know, we what, might as well believe them. Might as well believe uh, them. There's no, there's, they, they've they've proven over and over again that they are ridiculous at the moment. I mean, who could have predicted five nil in in Pakistan last winter, for instance, or or you know, never mind the, the the way in which they threw away the ashes and then got back into it. They've they've done some strange things in recent times, and um, 
nothing would be stranger than winning in India. I mean, they probably won't. I'll say two wins. Let's 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 hedge bet. Two two wins to England. I don't know what will happen in the rest. <laughs> okay, and Vish, you're excited by uh, by the strategy as it's as it's all coming together. Uh, are you calling this for Ben Stokes's name in in, in the history books? Uh, the first captain in in more than a decade to lead a successful Test tour of India. You know what? You're right. Having said all that, no, I won't be. <laughs> Four one India. <laughs> Common sense kicked in. But what a one, what a one it will be. That's all I say. <laughs> exactly that. We'll we'll always have that one. Um, well, I, I think that's that's probably enough today. England uh, under 19s are in action at the at the World Cup. Um, they won their opening game. They're, they're currently playing South Africa. Uh, we will sort of keep an eye on that. Miller, that's more more about the, uh, the sort of family relations from the looks of the squads out there. The Denley, Benkenstein, uh, Ray and Ahmed's brother is in action in South Africa. Um, but we'll, we'll save that for another day. Um, England are about to find out whether India have turned the spin settings up to 11 and we'll be back to review the good, the Hyderabad and the ugly, possibly plenty of the latter next time. Uh, until then, my thanks to uh, Miller and Bish and to all for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on ESPNPrickInvo.com. Hold up. 